Let's talk about digital identity, the podcast connecting identity and business. I am your host, Oscar Santolayo. Hello and thanks for joining today. In Finland, people are used to access many services completely online and authenticate using verified identity, I would say almost on a daily basis. So this has been the norm for already many, many years. But recently, there has been some changes. And as a result, we have something called the Finnish Trust Network. So if you haven't heard about that, you were going to hear from an expert in this matter who let me introduce you today. It's with me, Petteri Ihalainen. He has an extensive information security background, having worked for organizations like SSH, UV Secure, the European Commission, Gemalto, and Global Sign. During his career, he has participated in advanced initiatives and digital identity programs in various roles. He's currently working as a senior specialist at the National Cybersecurity Center in Finland, which is part of the Finnish Transport and Communication Agency Traficom in a team that supervises and advises organizations deploying digital identity solutions. Petteri also acts as one of the country representatives at the European Union level in EIDAS-related tasks and programs. Hello, Petteri. Hello, Oscar. How are you doing? Very good. It's, it's great talking with you after some time. So we, as, as I said in your bio, you've been part of UV Secure some time ago, and it's great to talk to you again and seeing what you are doing now in Traficom. Yeah, so thanks for you, having me over. Fantastic. So we'd like to hear a bit more from your own words. What was your journey to this world of digital identity? Digital identity is a kind of a long story. So uh, I've been interested in uh, information security in general for mm-hmm. ages. Even my first uh, job at the healthcare sector had a uh, an aspect of uh, information security, but it's really got a start the information security co- career at uh, SSH Communications uh, Security in uh, 2000. And I was then hired as a product manager for the PKI product family that was being developed at the SSH. And it was supposed to be the year of the PKI, but it didn't happen. And then we kind of like went, okay, 2001 has to be the year of the PKI and so on and so forth. It never happened. But uh, that year 2000 got really the uh, start for my uh, international uh, security career. And regards to the digital identity, well, a PKI is one of the uh, basic technologies in uh, digital identity, but it was more towards, uh, uh, let's say, uh, device-based identities and these kind of things at that time what we were uh, developing. Then I joined uh, UbiSecure in 2004 and uh, 2005, I started to participate in one of the uh, greatest or you know best projects of my uh, professional career, which was the de- delegated authorization management platform called Katsa. And Katsa was all about digital identity. It wasn't uh, just uh, authentication. It was uh, much more than that. Authentication was basically a uh, necessary evil, mm-hmm. but it was uh, management of the roles in a very large scale environment. The Katsa system had over 300,000 organizations using it and the services that were integrated into the system at the end of the life, which is this year, by the way, it was over 100 e-government online services. And Katsa was the enabling factor, enabling these uh, services to outsource the management of digital identities to the customer organizations uh, themselves. And that was also one of the, uh, is one of the key technologies that UbiSecure can deliver to its customers. 
So in 2008, I joined uh, for three years European Commission and I uh, was involved in the information security research for critical network infrastructure. That was quite interesting because during that time, for example, Stuxnet happened and uh, it was quite fun because we had uh, actually nuclear physicists uh, residing in the same building as us and uh, they were just uh, downstairs and uh, every time that we found out a little bit more about the malware we just went downstairs and asked that uh, what are the implications of this to the <laughs> nuclear refinement process so after the three years uh, spending in italy working for the european commission i came back to finland and uh, and i thought that at that time that mobile id it's time for now the sin-based mobile id to really take off and uh, i joined gemaldo that did address the technology for mobile ID and uh, worked there for one and a half years. Then in 2013, I joined again UbiSecure, which then later on became GlobalSign and then again UbiSecure. But 2018 was the last change of my career and that was when I joined the Finnish Communications Agency and uh, that was the predecessor of the uh, Traficom Agency that I work for now. And in that organization, I uh, joined the EIDAS division, and uh, that's uh, where I'm at right now as a technical senior specialist. So quite a lot of uh, things happening around digital identity throughout, let's say, 20 years. And it's been quite interesting, and it's been really nice to see how things have evolved mm-hmm. during the 20 years. Yes, well, I can, I can see uh, have, you have had the, well, the privilege and also, wow, the, of course, the, the impact of working in all these projects, you mentioned the beginning of Katsu, um, you mentioned the mobile mobile PKI uh, implemented in, in Finland, mobile ID, and now you are also involved in, in IDA. So several super interesting projects and very uh, influential projects in, in data identity, not only in Finland, but also in other European Union level. Um, one number that stuck to my mind from what you just have said is that if I'm correct, if I took it correctly, you mentioned that Katso has allowed um, around 100 public organizations in Finland to manage their online services. If that's true, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing number for, I think, I don't know if there are many countries in the world that can have 100 public or completely different public organizations uh, connected by digital identity. Yeah, it was uh, over 100 digital uh, online services, and uh, I think it was uh, close to 20 government organizations that were using this, but uh, the customer base was uh, over 300,000 organizations Mm -hmm. that were using the GATSO system. So it was a business-to-government type of scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a a massive project. And from all this experience you you have seen, uh, today let's focus more on on Finland. We are going to touch also about the European Union, but focus about in Finland. What would you say, based on your experience, what are the main challenges that the the government and also the identity providers, as you mentioned, the identity providers in Finland had had that led to the inception of what we are going to discuss today, the Finnish Trust Network? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's the uh, overall digital challenge. Moving all these processes from uh, the traditional brick and mortar cases to mm-hmm. online and uh, transforming the database processes into digital processes. And this is not just for the government, it's all around us and it's still ongoing. It was a uh, hype work, let's say, five years ago, but it's still, it's still strongly going and uh, still uh, new services are coming up every week or so, maybe every day, I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. But let's say that we already touched upon Katsu, and that was a, a really big step towards creating the basis for government to business services. But the uh, Finnish Trust Network, that has kind of its root, roots in the uh, citizen realm. So us Finnish citizens or residents in Finland who have a uh, social uh, security number can get a uh, strong authentication means mm-hmm. at their disposal and uh, then use this means to access online services, meaning they do strong authentication towards government services, but also towards uh, commercial services. And one example that I've used is the uh, Viking Line example that uh, Secure implemented uh, quite a few years ago, where the cruise line mm-hmm. has this pre-order shop where you can buy alcohol mm-hmm. for your cruise, and it will be then waiting for you when you disembark and start your journey mm-hmm. towards home. So for that, they needed a, a strong authentication solution because uh, they need to verify the age of the uh, passenger that yes. uh, he or she is allowed to buy this uh, alcohol. So a good example of how you can uh, use these strong identities to uh, in the private sector as well. The uh, main user, of course, uh, I think still in Finland is the government sector, meaning tax and social security and uh, these kind of things. But the Finnish trust network, let's say that Finland is a kind of a unique place in the world that we have 13 commercial IDPs and uh, one government IDP. And uh, these 13 commercial IDPs are divided to 10 banks and three mobile network operators. And from each of those, if you are a customer of a bank, you can get a uh, strong authentication means. Or if you are a customer of these uh, mobile network operators, you can, of course, get a strong identity from them as well. And the growing number of digital services requiring strong authentication is one of the uh, things that is behind uh, the Finnish uh, Trust Network. If you think, well, the situation before the Finnish Trust Network was that Mm -hmm. uh, if you were an online service provider, you had to integrate your service to all of these IDPs separately, Mm -hmm. not just uh, technically, but also commercially. Well, you can do away with the uh, one mobile network operator integration because they were roaming and are roaming uh, within themselves. But let's say that uh, you are an online service provider, you have to do 11 different integrations and 11 different commercial agreements. And that is a major obstacle for anyone who is, uh, let's say, uh, a big online service. So it wasn't good for the competition and talking about competition, it was also very stagnant. So you had to do these things and uh, there was no real competition in terms of commercial side of these authentication events because each and every authentication event is uh, something that you need to pay as an online service provider if you get it from the uh, private sector. And this is the de facto way of doing it in Finland. Uh, the commercial and private sector identities are used and uh, the government IDP is not used in the citizen services. The government IDP or let's say government issued EIDs are very widely used in the healthcare sector, but okay. uh, as a citizen, they were not that uh, widely used. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the uh, background for the Finnish trust network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see it. It's very interesting that there are at least three types of from the user or citizen point of view, there are three types of 
strong authentication. One is the mobile, as you said, the based on mobile PKI. The other is the bank, bank authentication based on 10 or 11 banks you mentioned. And the other is the um, the governmental based on a physical, an ID, an ID with a chip, with a certificate as well. So there are three three ways. From the point of view now of an organization, a business that still hasn't used strong authentication, none of these mechanisms for authentication is not on their login pages on the websites. Because I know there are many companies like uh, there are some supermarkets or uh, department stores, there are some clinics that have that. Besides the user and password, they have some of these bank authentication or, or mobile, mobile ID. But for the ones that still have not done that, so what are the main benefits for an organization like that to integrate the Finish Trust Network? Main benefits. Let's go through the uh, concept of the uh, Finnish Trust Network before going into the benefits themselves. Mm -hmm, Because the listeners, they need to understand what this uh, thing actually is. And uh, again, like I said before, we have a unique situation in Finland having so many commercial identity issuers, banks and uh, the mobile network operators. We also have now, thanks to the uh, Finnish Trust Network, a unique legal framework that is uh, supporting this uh, scenario. So the Finnish Trust Network, as a name, it implies a legal framework. So we have uh, laws and decrees around EIDs and how to issue them, how to manage them, and uh, how to make them secure and so on and so forth. But it's also uh, about supervision. So uh, within the Finnish Trust Network, if you want to provide authentication services, to the market, especially strong authentication. So we are not talking about, uh, let's say, normal authentication, which is uh, password-based and uh, this kind of, uh, uh, let's say, weak authentication things. We are talking about strong authentication. Like you said, we have the bank-issued identities, we have the mobile ID, and we have the government-issued EID. It's also about uh, supervision. So uh, we have uh, these uh, 13 commercial issuers of identities. We need to make sure that what they do is adequate, let's say. Because uh, there's the EIDAS regulation behind it. So there are some uh, requirements that we need to take into consideration, like how the registration is done and uh, what kind of authentication mechanisms are deployed and so on and so forth. And the Finnish Trust Network is a uh, a collection of these uh, approved identity issuers and brokers. And the broker is kind of like a, a key thing here because... It's what the online services nowadays see when they talk about the uh, Finnish trust network. And the broker role was established in the 2016 legislation. And uh, it meant that you, as a certain online service provider, can go to a broker and have a single contract and a single technical integration. And you get all the 13 different identity issues through the same single contract. Because the brokers have the connections to the 13 issuing identity providers. And uh, that makes the life of a uh, an online service provider way easier than it used to. And to kind of like uh, also, let's say, uh, excite the market, there's also a price cap on the wholesale of uh, authentication transactions. That means that an identity issuer sells authentication transactions to the brokers, but there's a price gap, which is at this moment, it's uh, three euro cents mm-hmm. per transaction. And that also kind of like made it, the combination made it easier for online services to adopt strong authentication because uh, 
you only have one single technical integration and you have one single commercial uh, contract and the prices uh, started to become, let's say, not cheap, but affordable mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, it made sense for online services to start integrating strong authentication to their own service front ends. And also for the uh, FDN, it's kind of like I said, it's a, an umbrella term. Under the umbrella falls also the uh, recommendations that we are developing at the National Cybersecurity Center and uh, other documentation that try to level the playing field for all uh, stakeholders of the uh, Finnish uh, Trust Network. And that's basically uh, what the Finnish uh, Trust Network is. I might have forgotten something, but you'll get my contact information after this uh, interview so you can contact me for further questions anyway. Sure. Mm-hmm. And you were asking about the benefits. Yes. I touched upon a few of those uh, already so uh, if you need to strongly authenticate Finnish citizens you just have to go to a broker and uh, make a deal and that's it you get basically the whole population of Finnish people through a single contact and that's a really good thing for any organization trying to establish a uh, online service where they need to strongly authenticate that customer mm-hmm. yeah definitely what what you say earlier uh the fact that before Finnish Trust Network, uh, every let's say let's say uh, an e-commerce place or a department store, or whatever one of these organizations that would like to have uh, the strong authentication, will need to make uh, ten different, ten or eleven different contracts, and and now it's only one. So that's that already says like there's a huge difference in terms of how easy it is for any organization to to embrace this uh, strong authentication for their customers. And Finnish Trust Network is only for Finland or could be beneficial for organizations outside Finland? Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's uh, Well, the Finnish Trust Network as a concept and as a regulation, it only concerns the identity issuers and the brokers. So uh, when these stakeholders provide strong authentication, they fall under the regulation and the concept of uh, Finnish Trust Network. The online services fall outside of the regulation. Mm-hmm. And that basically means that you have an online service that could be uh, international or it could be Nordic or, you know, whatever that is, uh, just more than Finland or established, for example, in another country, but wants to serve customers that are Finnish customers mm-hmm. and they need to have strong authentication in place. So the fact is that the only way that they can do this is through the Finnish trust network and uh, through an approved uh, broker of a uh, Finnish Mm -hmm. trust network. But let's say there's also uh, lessons to be learned in what we have done Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, all the regulation recommendations and these kind of things that uh, can be useful for organizations uh, outside of Finland as well. And you also mentioned that Finnish Trust Network had to also comply with some other regulations such as EIDAS. And I know you are now, right now in your new and this position you have, you also work, you are involved with EIDAS. So could you tell us, first of all, a refresher, what is EIDAS and which direction is this going? Yeah, well, we only have a limited time of uh, at our disposal, so uh, I don't think that we can spend eight hours on going through EIDAS, but uh, <laughs> Just a short reminder to anyone listening, it's a EU regulation that deals with uh, electronic identities and trust services. And sometimes uh, trust services are kind of difficult to understand, but mainly they are about 
digital signatures and uh, services related to digital signatures and uh, let's say qualified uh, certificates and uh, these kind of uh, qualified services. It's a BRS in, in itself, it's a schizophrenic regulation. So uh, it could have been done in a two different regulations, but they decided in 2014 to put EID things and these trust services into one regulation. Mm-hmm. So that's where we stand. We that's where we were standing at 2014. Now it states that uh, every five years these regulations need to be uh, reviewed, and right now we are in the review phase of EIDAS, which is pretty interesting because as a uh, citizen of any European nation or organization, wherever you can try to affect or try to. Uh, Tell the European Commission what you think would be best way to make you know, move uh, EIDAS forward. And uh, the Commission has outlined at this moment, if we talk about the EID side, uh, digital identities, they have three main avenues that uh, they are investigating. And the first one is the incremental improvements to the existing regulation. So let's move forward, but let's not make any drastic changes and uh, maybe create some uh, new recommendations through ENISA that has a, a new mandate now, or maybe create some new implementing acts because uh, the commission has the power to uh, do these things. It's in the Irish regulation and it hasn't acted up on this. And uh, this is something that quite a few member states have uh, said that it would be nice to have uh, implementing acts on certain kind of uh, topics within the EIDAS regulation, mm-hmm. uh, not just for the EID, but also for the uh, trust services side. And the second avenue, or let's say proposal, is in line with the actual Finnish trust network, where they uh, are saying that it could be so that the private sector IDPs and uh, stakeholders or organizations providing these kind of services could get a uh, qualified status of EID. And so it's kind of like we have the qualified stamp or status that can be granted to a trust service, but it cannot be granted to a service related to the EID. Now the commission is uh, saying that uh, what if we would create such a scenario where we could grant these kind of uh, qualified statuses to the uh, EIDs as well. And that's what we have been doing within the Finnish trust network for the past, uh, I don't know, three years. And uh, the uh, third avenue is what has been actually in the news where the uh, president of the EU has said that what about if we do an EU ID, so European-wide digital identity. So I think that's the most drastic measure proposed in a sense that it's completely a new take on EIDAS and EID. But I don't know. I mean, it remains to be seen what the actual avenue will be if and when the EIDAS regulation will be uh, will get any updates or anything. And then there's, of course, the improvements and issues related to trust services of the EIDAS. They also need some kind of updating as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, so there are, as you said, three avenues for what it comes next for EIDAS. The last one you mentioned is, well, sounds pretty bold, like um, European-level identity. Sounds bold, but okay, well, how to make it happen? So it's super interesting to know what we'll bring out of that. So now is the revision phase, right? Revision phase for EIDAS. So how long this is going to take? 
this is kind of like uh, I, I'm not sure if there are any if it's open anymore. It, it was at least one questionnaire was open until second of October, but mm-hmm. there might be some ways to still get your voice heard. But yeah, I'm not sure about the exact current situation. There were several questionnaires published by the uh, commission mm-hmm. or the IRS mm-hmm. in the uh, previous months. Sure. But a change will take effect, or still the decision will take still some time, right? Correct. And at least, yeah, 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 absolutely, yes. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it's very interesting to to see what are these three avenues. So, EI that is evolving. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for, for sharing this. We would like to hear now from you practical advice if you can give us a tip for anybody to protect our digital identities. Yeah, that's a really good question. The first thing that comes to my mind is one word, don't. <laughs> so if you get an email, if you get a WhatsApp message, if you get the text message or whatever that has a link that requires you to then authenticate, just don't. Don't ever go through that avenue. But there are some ways if you even do these things. There are some things that you can improve, let's say, the uh, resistance to identity theft or these kind of things of your digital identity. And one thing that uh, is quite common and quite easy to use that uh, you activate two-phase authentication wherever possible, like Mm -hmm. Twitter, uh, Google, uh, Facebook, these kind of services. And uh, if your service allows you to do these things, make them happen right now. Don't wait, because uh, once the database of the uh, service provider is leaked and it's only password-based, your identity is out there. So enable these uh, two-phase or multi-factor authentication options if you have uh, the possibility. If you don't have the possibility, the third option is to use, for example, a FIDO-based authenticator or technology. Mm -hmm. And that means that you can uh, buy or acquire a USB token Mm -hmm. that can be uh, attached to your computer and that will then hold identities to these online services in the uh, FIDO token. And that's a pretty secure solution. The downside of that is, of course, that if you lose the token, you might be in trouble. (laughs) But combining all these things, you should be fairly secure. And uh, uh, why I say fairly secure is that there's no such thing as a, uh, let's say, 100% secure system. Yes, That doesn't exist in the world. <laughs> the only 100% secure system is one that haven't been invented yet. Uh-huh. So when the first line of code is written, it's vulnerable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you put it very clearly. Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot also for these tips. Definitely important to follow. And thanks a lot for sharing all this information, your career and about Finnish Chats Network and about EI, that's in which direction it's going. For the people who would like to learn more about these topics, uh, tell us please how we can get in touch with you or where to find more information. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite active uh, in LinkedIn. So the shortcut to my uh, homepage is linkedin.com slash in slash door which is the thing that you open when you enter a new <laughs> room. So indoor, in slash door. And uh, Twitter handle is uh, Ihaline, which is I-H-A-L-A-I-N. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot, Petteri, for this conversation and all the best. 
Yeah, thanks for having me, Oscar. It was nice to talk about these things. And uh, hopefully for you, listener, there's something new that you learned. If not, uh, well, I think there was. So, <laughs> Hope so. Of course. <laughs> thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk About Digital Identity, produced by UbiSecure. Stay up to date with episode at ubisecure.com slash podcast or join us on Twitter at ubisecure and use the hashtag LTADI. Until next time.